and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. I am here uh, in the podcast studio, our our new podcast studio. In fact, all of our colleagues on the third floor, some of them might not even know that Do we, we have are a sign here. out front. We should put one yeah, up. We should put one up. Um, so here in our podcast studio, and I am joined by, as you just heard, Professor Berg. Thank you for for joining us. Yes. And uh, adjunct professor. And, and, <laughs> and I did find my way to the studio, even though it wasn't as clearly marked as it maybe could yes. have been. Reverend so. Professor Jason Oakland, who is wearing his uh, pastoral tie clip. Yep. His clerical clip. So, so everybody knows he's a pastor, but what apparently one student doesn't know that you're actually a professor and not an adjunct professor, which is hilarious. Right. Yep. That they wrote on their paper, adjunct professor, who does that? I'm going to start referring to him that way, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, that led to a discussion of, well, it was also you your riding your bike, but uh, famous television shows with uh, priests on it. I had a student, yeah. yeah Father they, Brown. He drove by me, and I was riding my bike yesterday. And I've been, uh, I've been dressing more professionally later, lately, I think, to, uh, mm-hmm. to make my friend and colleague happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was wearing my clericals, and uh, he said I look like Father Brown. Yeah. You should wear a cassock next time. I don't have a cassock. I can get you one. <laughs> uh, that would be that would get you a lot of attention. And then you you said Father Ted, so I'll watch that show. Yeah, I've had when I first started. I always rode my bike in and I wore my collar. And I'd have people like in traffic at a stop, like ask me to pray for yeah. pray with them and stuff. <laughs> so we, now my beard have, though hangs down over yeah. my collar, so I can't even tell. We have a whole episode on why you should wear clerk. Yeah, if only we knew what number that was, we would. Point you it's there. In the teens, I believe. Um, I would put it in the show notes, but uh, it used to be uh, Peter produced and Mike wrote the show notes, and uh, now lately it's been I produce and uh, and the show notes and I write the show notes. So appreciate that. So I'm not going to remember to put that in. But uh, what we're going to be discussing today um, on this, uh, I would say, lovely Wednesday afternoon. In Milwaukee, was it was perfect temperature this morning. Mm-hmm. It was like, like high fifties, <clears throat> and uh, so on this lovely, sunny, beautiful Wednesday afternoon, what we're going to be talking about is Anabaptist preachers infiltrating your congregation, <laughs> which, is, which is a problem, <laughs> right? And, uh, and brothers in the ministry out there, we know um, that we don't want to trigger you with this. It may bring back some some trauma. Um, but this was actually a problem in the 16th century sometimes. Uh, I think I found what is perhaps the uh, stupidest introduction to one of Luther's works <laughs> in the American edition of Luther's works, if I, uh, or at least lamest. Yeah, it's not great. And I know who I suspect maybe wrote it back in the day, but they... Uh, they set it up like you're about to, to read some really polemical, nasty stuff. It, you know, to us, I don't know who us is. It's not me. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it you, Michael? Mm. What about you, Hieronymus? <clears throat> nope. Um, to us, it seems a, a harsh treatise, and we are less impressed than Luther's followers by his argument. For, I wasn't less impressed. No, it was actually, I, I was expecting then, then some of his arguments that can be maybe mm-hmm. we weren't, not his finest moments. Right. Or he 
was over the top in his political language where he didn't need to be. Right. And this was not that case. Yeah, one of the no. things that translated for the New Luther's works was a, a sermon, and in, in Luth, in, uh, Luther was talking about Vexelbach, uh, changelings. Mm. Like if a woman went sure. too deep in the water, the devil might impregnate her, and then the kid would have a huge head and scream all the time. Mm-hmm. So probably had, you know, disabilities, but <clears> at <throat> that time they didn't know. And he said, um, right, this is where he gives the advice, maybe uh, throw it in the elbow and see if it floats. Right. That, and uh, that, that I would put like a little warning on. Going too far. Right, because someone in Wyoming who wants to be a confessional Lutheran yeah. is going to be like in church, he's going to hear a kid crying. Maybe the kid, unfortunately, comes from a family that has big domes. And then uh, next thing you know, does Wyoming have a river? It does. Yep. I, I'm trying to think of what the... Snake River, isn't snake that river. one of them? And then uh, they're going to throw a baby in it. So yeah, it's not good. But then they, uh, at the end, uh, a we, clearer view of the character of the Anabaptists has revealed that Luther's judgment of them was a result of his presupposition. So this, this guy probably had like done an Amish tour recently, got some really good butter, like a rocking chair. Maybe had relatives that were Mennonite or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Luther's, you know, the thing about the Mennonite is they're too colorful. If, if you're, if you're going to be, if you're going to be an Anabaptist, I, I, I'm with the Amish. You can't be flaunting pastels. Um, <laughs> pastels are like the, uh, the clerical tie clip of, of the Anabaptist world. You see them occasionally. Just flamboyant. Um, Luther's verdict is understandable. Like bling bling. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the verdict of history. But, which now we're talking for history. Right. And which he, has discovered saints and martyrs among them. Okay, so there was believers. Yeah. Um, and found that they were used for God for momentous consequences, like denying that baptism saves. Well, I, I, <clears throat> there, there are times when you could say that introduction could be, a, I think it's a little passive-aggressive mm-hmm. for anything. But if it mm-hmm. was... If it, if it was for one of his more polemical works, you go, okay, I could see that. If but it, then you read it, and right. you're like, no. By the way, we should maybe, this is infiltrating and clandestine preachers. If it were any more passive-aggressive, it would be a member of our department. Yeah. 1532, infiltrating and clandestine preachers. Uh, we don't believe that this was, uh, the introduction was written by Conrad Bergendorf, who translated it. Right. No, uh, I'm else. sure he's lovely. Yes. I've so, never met a, a Conrad yeah, that I didn't okay. like. All right. Um, so should we talk to about keep the in content? Mind, when we're talking about these Anabaptists, we're not talking about the Amish and the Mennonites. We're talking about people in this case who are agitating um, against infant baptism and that baptism saves the real presence of Christ. Um, th- that church was itself church, right? Because mm-hmm. if you deny infant baptism, you basically deny the churchiness of a church that practices it because it's a gathering of the unbaptized. Um, and not all Anabaptists back then were peaceful. No, I um, think that's where, you know, he mentions the the martyrs too that there were saints and martyrs i mean yeah there were believers and there were also people that met their death because right. they were anabaptists but there was usually reason for that yeah and we've talked a good session to go back to um which i'll forget to link in the show notes would be the session we did on munster um and the peasants revolt uh but yeah and and we will we will do now minster coming up soon perhaps that should be one of our next ones yep probably uh would be a good one to discuss as well. Um, I hope I'm not making you hungry, Jason, by mentioning uh, Munster. That is a cheese, I believe. It is a cheese, and yeah. And I know Jason is a 
big fan of, of cheese that comes in plastic of various shapes. Yes. Today he had a, a round cheese. With wax. Um, often he enjoys uh, cheese sticks, which I believe is the, the, the sweepings off the cheese floor. <laughs> it's Could the equivalent well of it's a cheese hot dog. It is. Yes. <laughs> and not like a Hebrew Frank, but like ballpark. <laughs> Oscar Meyer. So we are, are we going to talk about the Yeah, we're going to discuss this letter <laughs> of Martin Luther addressing the issue in particular of let's say preachers who are of the Anabaptist stripe coming into What does Anabaptist mean, Michael? It means to baptize again. Why would they do that? Because they don't believe that an infant can believe in baptism saves, right? Mm. So But did didn't Jesus say we should enter the kingdom of God like a little child? Yeah, that's a that that's going to be believe like them? It's going to be a different issue. It's going to be. Just make clear. So yep. they they were wrong. They they were wrong, and what's interesting? You think they're wrong. I don't want to be mean. Um, I think they're wrong, but what's interesting about this is when we get these questions from like high schoolers or college kids, and they go, "What's the difference between blah 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 blah?" and "What's the difference between someone who believes in infant baptism and not?" I always go, "It's not really about baptism. It's about original sin and faith." Mm. Right? I always say, "One's a Christian, <laughs> and the other's yeah. not." Well, it really does I'm come down. Say that it, it comes down to faith, right. right? What do you think faith is? How does God save you? Um, and, and so it's not. I just think faith is like a math problem, and when you get old enough, you understand yeah. it. Well, and the other thing too is sometimes, uh, let's just say, mm, right leaning. You know what? Who would have been really good at faith? Right man. Yeah, right. <laughs> that dude is good at math. <laughs> right leaning Lutherans in America. Oh boy, would not Jesus is my savior. Would no. not. Uh, <laughs> Would not uh, maybe say this out loud because they know better, but basically they're Baptists who baptize babies, right? right. And there's, yep. there's just this little difference about Holy Communion and baptism when the truth of the matter is there's actually some Christological differences mm -hmm. between the two, yep. and there's some difference between anthropology, like mm -hmm. who a man is, uh, what a human is, How God and uses also means. faith and means. And so while we certainly, most certainly creation, do not deny... Creation. That there are believers in all sorts of denominations. I think Jason denies it. All of them. <laughs> I would say in all of them, Wade. All of them. Because the kingdom of God is It's hearts, a big thing. Right? Um, that we, we, we would be just as critical of the left, and I mean that for, uh, an, like an Anabaptist, mm -hmm. as we would on the right, and in this case we would think of a Roman Catholic Right. Oh, they're going to say the CLC. Yeah. So, um, but but back to this particular issue well, is you have... to be fair, the Anabaptist is being critical of the traditional Christian. Oh, absolutely. Because to say yep. you're not baptized oh. is to say you're not a Christian. And, and even still today, even still today, sometimes we, you know, okay, you Luther, Wade and Jason, I'm like, you're being too picky. Uh, Luther, you're being too picky. But you have to understand, even still today, you're going to find some Protestants who do not believe that Roman Catholics are Christian. Mm -hmm. And they're not quite sure about Lutherans, too. Right. And even ones that have, let's say, been educated on a high level mm -hmm. would even say that to perhaps my face yeah. on occasion, right? Will, will you uh, tilt your head back for a second? Did you get a, a, a taller collar? No, I... We've, we've talked about That's this. That's not the one and a quarter, is it? No, I, I think I get the one and a half. Mm. Yeah. 
holds up the holds up the uh, flappy is, skin. Is that because you're a department head? <laughs> yeah, I, I go down a little bit. I uh, hope you don't get elected school chair at yeah, some point. Uh, you're not gonna be able to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it starts becoming like fla- like a like a Puritan. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so if this, I can this throw- is about these Anabaptist preachers coming and expecting to be heard at a church that is leaning towards the Reformation, right? What we would call the Reformation today. So post Augsburg Confession, who, and this is one, this is the context, where after the Augsburg Confession, who's included? Who, who gets to sign their name to this Augsburg Confession? Is it everybody that's not Roman Catholic? Are we going to be so simplistic as to say, it's Roman Catholic or Protestant, that's it? That would be very easy and helpful for the princes of Europe to distinguish who is in their um who is in their territory, as it's easy for the, I don't know, the United States Army in World War One and World War Two <laughs> to say, here's your deal, so you got a Protestant chaplain and a Catholic chaplain, a Jewish chaplain, and maybe a Muslim It sounds uh, like a joke. It's coming. Um, they, yeah. Um, so, but it's not that easy, right? And this letter that Luther writes is about the call. Do you have a call here to come into this congregation and start speaking stuff? Um, um, and that's a big issue, and it is kind of an issue today. Uh, I, we have people that will come and say, oh, I have this presentation. They shop their wares. I have this presentation that I like to do at your church. Mm-hmm. And um, do you have a proper call here is a question, right? Um, and so that, that's one issue. But that proper call through a physical means is then also emblematic of the Anabaptist theology that would deny the means that the Holy Spirit uses. So I think that's fair setup. Yep. And what I was going to say, and I think I did a good job there of not interrupting, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Only because you were distracted by your phone. Um, Also because you shared with me yesterday um, someone's feedback on the show. Oh, Yeah. That was critical of me. It was. It was. It was joking. Although with critical. a, it was with a smiley emoticon. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So I didn't take it in a negative light. Um. So I will. I will give a nice shout out to Jessica Rosa, who is a member of mine in in Woodlake, a historian in her own right, history teacher, um, and uh, has been listening to the podcast, and she sent something very nice to me via Amanda, um, and like most of the people who say something nice about the podcast, say. But it would be better if Wade didn't interrupt all the time. <laughs> and then I like to send that to Wade just because that's our relationship. So, Jessica, thank you. Just so you know, I uh, did forward that to Wade. And he's a good sport and he loves and it. And I hope Jessica knows how to produce episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> the, uh, you two feed- would get along feedback very much. Feedback is good. Much. No, we do appreciate you get feedback. Very much. All right. I think this boils down to two things in this um, treatise. So this is from uh, Jason. What volume of Luther's works? Let me scroll on my phone. Oh, you're on your phone. <clears throat> All the way to the bottom. Volume 40. Volume 40. Church and Ministry, Volume 2. Pages 379 to 94. <clears throat> and uh, I think Luther is going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's three main things that he brings out here. Um, the problem with just anybody coming and preaching or disrupting a service... Um, is it disrupts good order. So I think there's a good order argument, um, which I always love how the Germans write, they, uh, Ordnung, right? But in English, they always have trouble saying orders, so they say Adas, Adas, and it sounds like Adders. 
So as someone who <laughs> has done a fair amount of uh, Holocaust history, it sounds like they're saying we were just following otters. And uh, the Holocaust is not funny, but the image of like um, a bunch of otters yes, just, I, uh, you know, marching. That is that is a bit yeah, funny. Because they're yeah. adorable creatures. Yes. So for a good order, um, then the, the doctrine of the call or the divine call, and hopefully you guys can hit a little bit on what we mean by the divine call. Um, that was something that was weird to me coming into Lutheranism to hear people, rather than just talk about we have a new pastor or whatever else, you'd hear divine call mentioned all the time. And then I think third, uh, he warns that these elements, at least at that time, often disrupted um, the civic realm as well. Um, that, 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 that it went hand in hand. Um, and so he thinks it's both a spiritual and a secular issue in that degree, or to that degree. I will say... Um, I noted a, a few things in here, but I don't want to steal thunder. But I did like when he said, well, if just anybody's going to preach, perhaps a drunk from the tavern could come in and join the trio, on, on the trio calling on the third to be silent. You'd have all these people yelling at each other to be silent uh, in church. And then he says uh, the way the apostles did it, where sometimes multiple apostles would teach, so he says, like, Peter preached and James responds. And then uh, Luther, who was always positive about the people of his day, says, it would hardly do to restore the practice among such uncouth, undisciplined, <laughs> shameless people as ours. Yeah, he's <clears throat> with that, uh, he's, he's playing off that picture from 1 Corinthians, right, where, where Paul's talking about yeah. the the different prophets, you know, getting up to speak when... when and, and that's where he says, "Well, wh- who's to stop the drunk coming off this the, off the street straight out of the tavern?" To, and I think the interesting thing about that too is, you know, I I I thought was his take that when he's talking about the prophets there, when Paul's talking about the prophets, he's only talking about those who have been appointed to. Right. And and I thought I've never I've never quite considered it that way before yeah. as Luther was talking about it, but I thought that would that that definitely merited further consideration i think i'd like to look into that a little bit more yeah um i think good order people understand i'll throw it to either of you whoever wants to jump in um what do we mean when we say divine call right uh it uh i mean in a certain sense everyone's calling is divine right we do teach vocation what do we mean when we were specifically talking about divine call and how does that play in here in your view yeah, I think you you know you divide uh, different uh, calls in the New Testament. So you have the call to faith is something completely different. You have a call to suffer, right? Which is which is pick up your cross. That's something different. You have a call to a vocation, which is something different. Although related to this, um, it is a call into um, <clears throat> a specific job, right? But what we really mean is that there's a call to be a shepherd here, right? And that, that is a divine call because it's from God. And yet, like just about everything, God uses means to do this, right? And, and so he's going to use a, a congregation in our setting. But there's been other times uh, um, in the history of the Lutheran Church and certainly of the, the church at large where the call may come from um, a city, 
Um, or a bishop. Com- it could come from a bishop. It could come from a school. It could come from. I'm sorry for mentioning the Swedes, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> it could call. You could. So we, we have to be careful that sometimes we um, Lutherans in America think that Lutheranism, um, you know, began in 1517 and then took um, took a 500 year break mm-hmm. until uh, you know certain people came over from Germany, right? And uh, this would be like a like a 300. Yeah, three hundred. Excuse me, not five hundred. Three hundred year year break, um, and that there wasn't actually a context for calling and ministry and how that all that worked out. So we have to be very careful about saying the voters' assembly is the only rightfully calling body. That you know, that's not how. And not that we would say that, but sometimes you leave the impression that maybe that is. Um, so you know what? Uh, one of the things I like least about Lutheranism is Michael. Lutherans voters' assemblies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that's necessarily a uniquely Lutheran thing. Yeah, but yeah. I don't like that I'm a Lutheran and I have to go to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like many things, God uses physical means, um, uses earthly means to carry out a extraordinary, ordinary means to accomplish something extraordinary. So, at once, this is extraordinary this is divine a call this is this is god saying this is my guy to shepherd these people at the same time it's not well you got the call you better pick up and go this is not a jonah call right in fact we would say that man who has is a is in a parish and has a call to a different parish has two calls right and god respects us enough we don't talk about that enough god's respect of us um, God respects us enough to um, make mistakes, but he also respects us enough to, to make that decision. There, there's a certain amount of, we should have an episode on that, God's respect uh. of humanity, which is, um, well, whatever, that we don't get too far afield here. But, uh, well, Jason, I'll kick it to you. What am I missing here at the divine call? Yeah, I think... <clears throat> Jason, that, just you just had to not that long I ago. I did. I just had to not that long memory. ago. Yes. Yeah, and that's uh, always a, a challenging thing when uh, you're being asked to consider. And can uh, I interrupt one yeah, thing? I like ahead. the way you said it. You had to, assuming right now he has one, right? So I, I always have a call. It's not like I'm waiting for someone to call me, and then I, if I decline it or accept it, then I'm done. No, I continuously have a call. Yeah, right? Remember yeah, when okay. we sent that call as a prank? <laughs> no, we would not it got do that. super awkward we, when we accepted it. We would not do that. We would not do We would. We respect. No, we were going to put it on YouTube. <laughs> as disrespectful and as irreverent as we can be, we would not do that. <laughs> yeah, it's always a it's always a a weighty thing when you when you uh, have that opportunity to deliberate Are those you two saying calls. I'm fat, Jason? No, I, no, you not said at weighty. all. Not weighty, weight e. I think you said weighty. <laughs> but he uh, does yeah. think you're fat, but he was not bringing that up at that moment. <laughs> and. Yeah, and and it's it's a wonderful blessing to consider, and I think too that uh, with that, as you consider that um, deliberation, again you you keep both of those things in mind. You know that this is um, that you've been called through a calling body, but at the same time, it's the Lord who is calling you, and you have that confidence that um, whichever decision you make in the end, you have the confidence that that is where the Lord wants you to serve and. And uh, that he will work to equip you for that task. And yeah, it's it's a neat opportunity and also a you know pretty 
thing filled with weight and gravity. Gravitas. Is that is that, is that better? Or? Sure. But it's equally, when you think about, okay, this is my call. This is where I am. The flip side of that is I don't have a call elsewhere. Yeah. Right? And that's good for us to realize that I don't have a call to the parish. And that's big for Luther and this. And that doesn't mean that I'm not brotherly to that guy. It doesn't mean I, I have some sort of relationship where I say, you're doing something wrong or you're doing something right or vice versa. But I don't have a call to serve those people any more than I don't have a call to be the father of somebody else's child. Right? That sphere of influence may expand, for instance, serving a vacancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to be very careful. And this is, this is where it's trust, right? I mean, how many, every pastor thinks I could do a better job than the guy down the street just because we're that sinful. <laughs> but you don't have a call there. And so you need to keep your mouth shut, right? Yeah. You, know what I, you know what I wish this applied to? Lenten rotations. Yeah. I never participated. Jason, how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm never, anti-Lenten. I'm not saying it's a sin. I, I, I would say that uh, there's value in it, but yeah, there's definitely some drawbacks to it. You know how I like to spend my Lent is focusing on one reading regarding the passion of my Lord, how he saved me with his death and resurrection, mm. and then preaching it like six times. <laughs> That's much better than Going through walking the through yeah. the yeah. greatest story ever told and talking about it with your people. But yeah. and, and we just sure, offended make sure, someone. Making sure it's out of order, This is going to yeah. be... Make sure it's out of it's order. It's been a while since we got I offended someone email. You've, um, you've gotten three or four the, people. I this think it was episode. the Thanksgiving service thing was the last time that... Someone get mad. <laughs> someone got mad when I said that yeah. we should not... I just brought that up those. in class about how Dr. Johnson uh, refuses to go to Thanksgiving. And New Year's Day or yeah. Eve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You make some good points. You make some fine points. Thank there. you. The um, Luther says, I found this interesting, thus they destroy and bring to naught the parish system ordained of God. Hmm. What do you guys think of that? I think... Uh, I, I, <clears throat> I think I'm, I'll take off on a little bit of a tangent first, but that idea of you know, disrespecting the call. And I think it goes to this idea of disrespecting the um, parish system and, and undoing that is the way that these guys approach some of this task, you know, as they sneak it they're, they're describing how they're sneaking around the, the, the fields and, and, you know, popping into businesses and things like right. that and trying to engage these. I mean, finding laborers at work. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And this and is definitely trying to undermine. Right. You know. Instead of saying that, you know, there's this structure in place and uh, to not go through those proper channels. Um, and I, I, I would think, you know, you'd maybe want to ask a little bit, going back to the quote that you had, uh, that you read from the thing there about the pair system ordained by God, say, well, I would be curious what you mean by that a little bit, you right. know, to pursue that a little further. And what I, what I take them to mean there is that you have a pastor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, right. and you're under you're under someone's spiritual oversight at this point. Um, and that's your, that's your spiritual home where you expect to receive that oversight and be fed with word and sacrament. And, and they, the Anabaptists were doing everything that they could to get around that, that system. And it assumes, and and you do hear this, it, it assumes you're not really Christian unless you, um, 
usually it becomes kind of a moralistic thing unless I see or, or unless I see the fruits of the spirit in an in outwardly way. Right. I mean, this is the assumption. If I go to church and I say your church, I, I, I'm starting a new church down the, the road. Instead of going to the people that are not churched, I'm going to the local church that already exists. I'm implying your church isn't good enough. Well, then you have to ask a question. Well, what is a good enough church? Mm-hmm. Right. And this is where Luther's going to say, well, where Christ is, where the means of grace is, not where you're going to find we are gathered in. Certain, yeah. a certain piety or whatever. Right. And the other thing, too, is the um, we had hinted at this, that the radical reformation, if I want to put that into a, like a broader non-Lutheran Protestants, so not necessarily the radical reformation of a particular variety, but uh, non-Lutheran Protestants tend to downplay the means. So, mm-hmm. and including the means are going to be the institutional church, right? Mm-hmm. So the institutional church is so broken, we need to throw it away. And right? then they'll, they'll often they'll have a church that's very much centered around a pastor, which is an interesting way to flip things. Which, which is, and then it becomes very much about the clergy. Many institution, yeah. Right. And it, it, this is very American, right? Uh, distrust in institutions. Um, and, and I... I think people largely trust the government in America. I mean, <laughs> in my experience, when the government recommends something, yep. people usually are quick to... And this is not to say, this is not to say that we become naive... I mean, this is the irony of all this. And someone could say, Luther, what are you talking about? Luther takes on the institution of the European medieval society, the papacy, right? Um, But Luther Luther never said, throw everything out. Now, he also had a divine call. He was a teacher. He was a doctor of the church. church, And and I think he was trying to work within the system to begin with, right? I mean, where these guys almost right from the jump are trying to skirt those and institutions to put it into our, our American context, which has a, has a um, distaste for institutional uh, monarchies, universities, churches. Um, there also can be a distrust of family that, you know, it's not a left, it's not a left or a right thing. This happens on both of the uh, sides of the po- political spectrum, right? Um, where you have, you have a, uh, a distrust of it, it's very hard for me to swallow when somebody maybe on the right who is complaining about a distrust in an institution like the country or whatever he's, he's making this political change but can yeah. also have a long history of the distrust of the institution such as the church or this whatever not to say that we don't criticize of course we criticize that that's exactly what luther's doing here he's pretty much talking about vaccines but if you, but if, if, well, if the this Pope told, reason. if the Pope told you to get a vaccine, Wade, I would do it. You would do it. <laughs> I would do it if Benedict told me, not Francis. Not Francis. <laughs> um, it's just, Benedict we, would tell me my German. point, my roundabout point is that we pick and choose which institutions we want to uphold and say, why are you breaking down this institution? And then ripping apart other institutions for no other reason than perhaps they are an institution. And I believe, let me bring it all, I believe that this modernist separation of the spiritual from the physical gets played out in this Anabaptist without means, the spirit coming without means, and a distrust of the institution of the church, of the sacraments, of the ministry is still with us today, hundreds of years later, at the tail end of the modern period. The um mentioning benedict reminded me of a, a story 
uh, <clears throat> grad school, I was at, at the bar with a, uh, a German friend, uh, one of my, my good friends, and uh, a Dutch professor, um, Professor Emeritus. And uh, so we were, uh, we were at the bar, and we had finished praying and fasting, and we decided to have a beverage. And as we were talking, um, Benedict came up, you know, the Pope, and the Dutch uh, friend said, uh, oh, yeah, you're a Nazi Pope to the German friend. And then the German friend's like, he quit the Nazi youth, you know, he was forced to be in it, whatever. And then uh, the Dutch friend said, oh, I forgot, he's a, oh, it was right after he resigned, I forgot he's a quitter, too, you're a Nazi quitter, Pope. <laughs> <laughs> and that always sticks with me when I went with Benedict, right. who I'm not saying was Nazi, or even a quitter, maybe. No, I think, he... I think uh, if we knew the whole full story of him, why he left, I think we would be mm-hmm. very saddened by the scandals and the difficulty of reform in an institution so big as the Roman Catholic Church that was maybe sclerotic in certain points. So this is, we're balancing this out, not being anti-institution just for the sake of it, but understanding the sclerotic, sclerotic, (laughs) I used this this yesterday in class too, sclerotic nature of a big institution that has difficulty moving and changing that Benedict the Sixteenth said, "I'm not up for this task." Yeah. Do you have a word of the week? <laughs> I should. Yeah, I should. that would be a good um, one. Yeah. Okay, another quote to throw at you. Uh, if then teachers who are called, ordained, and consecrated of God Himself can be misled, after he gives a bunch of examples, biblical and historical, uh, can be misled by the devil to engage in false teaching and persecute the truth. The truth. How shall he accomplish accomplish anything good? through those whom he inspires and ordains without and contrary to the bidding of God. So I thought it's interesting Luther brings up here, the call doesn't guarantee you're going to be orthodox. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Um, so what's the point of the call? It's not- and is God then responsible for false teaching if people he calls are unfaithful? It's, it's an interesting question because it's not just about mere order. Right. It's not like you just have to have somebody up there. Right. But just the realization that this is a calling from God, like in all other aspects of life. And we trust that God's got the right person in that place. However, you can sin against vocation. Right. And that's that's our language. And so you can sin against the call, which is which is heavy stuff for us pastors. Mm -hmm. If you sin against the call, then you are you are out. So um, I, I think. You should be out. You should be out. And I think what Luther's probably saying is is here, um, there are other people who have been called to positions of authority and oversight who are not doing their job. A, not just to kick out those who have been unorthodox, but, and, and he does talk about this, that have not trained priests, right? He does talk about the, and, and what does he do? What is one of the first things he does after the Reformation starts to take hold, is that he writes catechisms, right? Uh, training largely, right, for the family, for but the, also for the priests, clergy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think his point is not, he understands that this is, you know, you don't just say what the priests, or you don't do what the priest says just because he's the priest, right? It's, there isn't, there is a, you can have a bad priest, you can have an unorthodox teacher. Right. And but that's that's a sin against the vocation of those who have their oversight, probably for generations because they haven't trained priests in the correct way. Yeah, and so this is not a 
just an unthinking obedience that ladies should owe to those in ministry. Um, it's a respect for the call, for the office that one holds. Um, but we're not so naive as to think um, that that someone cannot err just because they. And it, go ahead. Does that you know? And, that, and it's one of those things maybe where you know is there that distinction of the office and the person to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. To to recognize it's the respect that I owe because of the office this person holds, although not because it's sinners who hold the office, you're going to find sin taking place at times. And, and not every sin, of course, would disqualify a person, but then, as you were saying, um, there are some that do, right? So so I think, you know, you recognize too that, yeah, sadly, because there are sinners who hold these positions, you're going to find sin. <laughs> right, and the, the, you don't throw out the office of the whatever presidency of the United States because you don't like that, right? That mm-hmm. that would be a pretty good parallel. You right. maybe uh, attempt to, though. Yeah. In 15, <laughs> yeah, on, on the epiphany of our Lord, of all things. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with your Jesus flag. That was great. Yeah. Anyway. What are you, what are you talking about, Michael? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, by 1532, here's something to think about, though. It, it's easy. We, we've talked about this before. It's easy to, it's easier to start a revolution. It's much harder to uh, actually govern afterwards. Um, it may be less heroic, um, but but it's harder. So Luther's had some experience of this, of lighting a fire, and then having to have questions of, okay, now what? Yep. And so I wonder if the this is in the back of his... Ra- right, I think, which I think we did a session on. Right? In, in the back of his mind, he sees these people who are like, this is not good enough, and here comes, they're, they're all on fire for whatever. And... and with with a decade of experience of having to then deal with the ramifications of this, eventually you have to set up parishes and do preaching. Eventually you can't. You, eventually you have to have some sort of institution structure. Eventually you have to have order. Eventually you have to have a call. Um, you can't always just be on fire for Jesus. And and as seasoned pastors here, we can say we've seen people come into the church and they're on fire and and. The impulse is, let's put this new person to work or whatever. And we're thinking, that's the quickest way to get somebody to (laughs) hate uh, Christianity, right? Um, That you know that there's going to be, okay, now here's the reality. I'm still a sinner in a broken world. Can you you lay a foundation that a true catechetical foundation um, that's going to get them through the ups and downs? You understand that this... this, this ablaze is going to this fire is is not going to last because at some point life goes on right at some point yep. you have to you have to get up on monday morning so i wonder if that's in the back of of luther's mind when he writes this yeah and we are you know specifically hitting on those who are preaching or or teaching in their office but specifically here um especially preaching in the divine service right this is not that other people shouldn't be teaching in the home or even as we might have some congregations today, uh, people who help to catechize within the parish, um, but especially this role of of overseer maybe would be a helpful way to put it. I think you know it's kind of interesting too with you know understanding that this isn't just in a vacuum where this is happening. You know, with those events, and, I, and you'd alluded to them before with you know the Peasants' War and and Mincer and some of those things that you know I, I thought Luther was showing quite a bit of restraint mm-hmm. in his language here, knowing knowing how some of those events had really snowballed in the past and right. um, you know, wanting to be <laughs> aware of that, but at the same time measured in his approach. And I think t- 
to say that this not doesn't necessarily have to become a whole nother peasants revolt type of thing, but, but there are some real issues with what's going on here and how they're going about it. And, um, maybe you don't, maybe you don't see that, you know, as clearly as when the countryside is a blaze, mm -hmm. different kind of blaze, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it's, there are still problems that need to be addressed. Yeah. And Michael, I think you brought up an important point too. You mentioned uh, that we are seasoned pastors. If you had to assign a seasoning to each of us, not, you can't pick salt because that's biblical. Mm -hmm. What seasoning would you season, say we were seasoned with? I think Jason would be kind pepper because he is uh, in fuego. Ooh. Caliente. Nice. Caliente to Ooh, the new ooey. professor. I, uh, Caliente. I got, a, you know, the uh, the taco truck by my house? Yeah. I got a, a quesadilla from that mm -hmm. uh, last night, and they give you green and red uh, salsa, apparently, to dip it in. And uh, which one would you think would be hotter? You know, it's the same with our taco truck. It's, it's the Verde who is, is hot. That's the green, right? Yeah. yeah. The red was way hotter. Really? Oh, really? I made a big mm. mistake because I did the green. I'm like, that's too spicy. And then I just went all in on the red. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so I, they tricked me. But mm. sorry, what would my seasoning be? My like, a, like a good pork rub? A pork rub. <laughs> and and yours? Nutmeg. Nutmeg. Nice. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Yeah. I think we're probably what time are we at here? We're at forty yeah. minutes and uh I, I can I can I wrap up? Yeah, a little Jason bit? and I also are gonna have to go teach. So yep. we'll wrap up. So I this is this is kind of a um a tangent in our winging it series, but actually coming off of the Augsburg Confession, coming off of um the the formation of the Schmal Kaldic League. There is going to be some who's in, who's out of both this military alliance, but also the Augsburg Confession, who gets to sign up to this or not. You know, we don't have denominations yet like we think about in today in America. And so there's a little bit of a moment of a Wild West here um, where, where there isn't uh, a structure. There had been in the last decade, there had been these administrative type duties. We had a whole episode on the, the Reformation settles in. Um, but it's not completely settled, right? And so uh, this is going to lead us to probably a few episodes of how do we deal with Anabaptist, uh, how do we deal with what we call today non-Lutheran Protestants um, before we get into the tail end, we're, we start getting into the last decade of Luther's life as well. So um, we hope that you will return for our next session, hopefully next week. Uh, Mincer, maybe we'll see where we go with uh, with uh, this series. But until then, let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down. My party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. One more round won't get me down.